Section 17 of the Phenomenology of Mind, Volume 2, by George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel, translated by James Black Bailey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by phone. Chapter 6C, Subsection C. Conscience, the beautiful soul, evil and the forgiveness of it. Part 2. Conscience, then, in its majestic sublimity above any specific law and every content of duty, puts whatever content there is into its knowledge and willing. It becomes moral genius and originality, which takes the inner voice of its immediate knowledge to be a voice divine. And since in such knowledge it directly knows existence as well, it is divine creative power, which contains living force in its very conception it is in itself too divine worship service of god for its action consists in beholding this its own proper divinity this solitary worship this service of god in solitude of soul is at the same time essentially service of god in public on the part of a religious community and pure inward self-knowledge and perception of self pass to being a moment of consciousness to behold itself is to exist objectively, and this objective element is the utterance of its knowledge and will in a universal way. Through such expression the self becomes established and accepted, and the act becomes an effective deed, a deed carrying out a definite result. What gives reality and subsistence to its deed is universal self-consciousness. When, however, conscience finds expression, this puts the certainty of itself in the form of pure self and thereby as universal self others let the act hold as valid owing to the explicit terms in which the self is thus expressed and acknowledged to be the essential reality the spirit and the substance of their community are thus the mutual assurance of their conscientiousness of their good intentions the rejoicing over this reciprocal purity of purpose the quickening and refreshment received from the glorious privilege of knowing and of getting expression of fostering and cherishing a state so altogether excellent and desirable so far as this sphere of conscience still distinguishes its abstract consciousness from its self-consciousness its life is merely hid in god god is indeed immediately present to its mind and heart to its self but what is revealed its actual consciousness and the mediating process of this consciousness is to it something other than that hidden inner life and the immediacy of god's presence but with the completion of conscience the distinction between its abstract consciousness and its self-consciousness is done away it knows that the abstract consciousness is just this self this individual self-existence which is certain of itself that the very difference between the terms is abolished in the immediateness of the relation of the self to the ultimate being which when placed outside the self is the abstract essence and the being concealed from it for a relation is mediate when the terms related are not one and the same but each is a different term for the other and is one only with the other in some third term an immediate relation however means in fact nothing else than the unity of the terms having risen above the meaningless position of holding these distinctions which are not distinctions at all to be still such consciousness knows the immediateness of the presence of ultimate being within it to be the unity of that being and itself it thus knows itself to be the living inherent reality and takes its knowledge to be religion 
which qua knowledge viewed as an object or knowledge with an objective existence is the utterance of the religious communion regarding its own spirit we see then here self-consciousness withdrawn into the inmost retreats of its being with all externality as such gone and vanished from it returned into the intuition of ego as altogether identical with ego an intuition where this ego is all that is essential and all that exists it is absorbed in this conception of itself for it is driven to the extreme limit of its extreme positions and in such a way that the moments distinguished moments through which it is real or still consciousness are not merely for us these bare extremes rather what it is for itself and what to it is inherent and what is for it existence all these moments evaporate into abstractions they have no longer stability no substantial existence for this phase of consciousness everything that was hitherto for consciousness essential has reverted into these abstractions when clarified to this degree of transparency consciousness exists in its poorest form and the poverty constituting its sole and only possession is itself a process of disappearance this absolute certainty into which the substance has been resolved is absolute untruth which collapses within itself it is absolute self-consciousness in which consciousness with its relation of self and object is submerged and goes under looking at this absorption and disappearance from within the inherent and essential substance is for consciousness knowledge in the sense of its knowledge being consciousness it is split up into the opposition between itself and the object which is for it the essentially real but this very object is what is perfectly transparent is itself and its consciousness is merely knowledge concerning itself all life and all spiritual truth have returned into this self and have lost their difference from the ego the moments of consciousness are therefore these extreme abstractions of which none holds its ground but each loses itself in the other and produces it we have here the process of the unhappy soul in restless change with self in the present case however this is a conscience experience going on inside itself fully conscious of being the notion of reason while the unhappy soul above spoken of was only reason implicitly the absolute certainty of self thus finds itself qua consciousness converted directly into a dying sound a mere objectification of its subjectivity or self-existence but this world so created is the utterance of its own voice which in like manner it has directly heard and the echo of which only returns to it this return does not therefore mean that the self is there in its true reality an und für sich for the real is for it not an inherent being is not per se but its very self just as little has consciousness itself existence for the objective aspect does not succeed in becoming something negative of the actual self in the same way as this self does not reach complete actuality it lacks force to externalize itself the power to make itself a thing and endure existence it lives in dread of staining the radiance of its inner being by action and existence and to preserve the purity of its heart it flees from contact with actuality and steadfastly perseveres in a state of self-willed impotence to renounce the self which is pared away to the last point of abstraction and to give itself substantial existence 
or in other words to transform its thought into being and commit itself to absolute distinction that between thought and being the hollow object which it produces now fills it therefore with the feeling of emptiness its activity consists in yearning it merely loses itself in becoming an unsubstantial shadowy object and rising above this loss and falling back on itself finds itself merely as lost in this transparent purity of its moments it becomes a sorrow-laden beautiful soul as it is called its light dims and dies within it and it vanishes as a shapeless vapour dissolving into thin air this silent fusion of the pithless unsubstantial elements of evaporated life has however still to be taken in the other sense of the reality of conscience and in the way its process actually appears conscience has to be considered as acting the objective moment in this phase of consciousness took above the determinate form of universal consciousness the knowing of self is qua this particular self different from another self language in which all reciprocally recognize and acknowledge each other as acting conscientiously this general equality breaks up into the inequality of each individual existing for himself each consciousness turns from its universality back into itself each is just as much reflected absolutely into itself as it is universal by this means there necessarily comes about the opposition of individuality to other individuals and to the universal and this relation and its procedure we have to consider or again this universality and duty have the absolutely opposite significance they signify determinate individuality exempting itself from what is universal individuality which looks on pure duty as universality that has appeared merely on the surface and is turned on its outside duty is merely a matter of words and passes for that whose being is for something else conscience which in the first instance takes up merely a negative attitude towards duty qua a given determinate duty feels itself detached from it but since conscience fills empty duty with the determinate content drawn from its own self it is positively aware of the fact that it qua this particular self makes its own content its pure self as it is empty knowledge is without content and without definiteness the content which it supplies to that knowledge is drawn from its own self qua this determinate self is drawn from itself as a natural individuality in speaking of the conscientiousness of its action it is doubtless aware of its pure self but in the purpose of its action a purpose which brings in a concrete content it is conscious of itself as this particular individual and is conscious of the opposition between what it is for itself and what it is for others of the opposition of universality or duty and its state of being reflected into self away from the universal while in this way the opposition into which conscience passes when it acts finds expression in its inner life the opposition is at the same time disparity on its outer side in the sphere of existence the disparity or discordance of its particular individuality with reference to another individual its special peculiarity consists in the fact that the two elements constituting its consciousness that is the self and the inherent nature an sich, are unequal in value and significance within it in being accepted as valid they are so determined that certainty of self is the essential fact as against the inherent nature 
or the universal which is taken to be merely a moment over against this internal determination there thus stands the element of existence the universal consciousness and for this latter it is rather universality duty which is the essential fact while individuality which exists for itself and is opposed to the universal has merely the value of a superseded moment the first consciousness is held to be evil by the consciousness which thus stands by the fact of duty because of the lack of congruity or identity of its internal subjective life with the universal and since at the same time the first consciousness declares its act to be identity with itself to be duty and conscientiousness it is held by that universal consciousness to be hypocrisy the course taken by this opposition is in the first instance the formal reinstatement of its identity between what the evil consciousness is in its own nature and what it declares itself to be it has to be made manifest that it is evil and its objective existence thus made congruent with its real nature the hypocrisy must be unmasked this return of the disparity present in hypocrisy into the state of congruency or identity is not at once brought to pass by the mere fact that as people usually say hypocrisy just proves its reverence for duty and virtue through assuming the appearance of them and using this as a mask to hide itself from its own consciousness no less than from another as if in this acknowledgment and recognition in itself of its opposite eo ipso congruency and agreement were implied and contained yet even then it is just as truly done with this recognition in words and is reflected into self and in the very fact of its using the inherent and essential reality merely as something which has a significance for another consciousness there is really implied its own contempt for that inherent principle and the demonstration of the worthlessness of that reality for all for what lets itself be used as an external instrument shows itself to be a thing which has within it no proper weight and worth of its own moreover this congruency or identity is not brought about either by the evil consciousness persisting one-sidedly in its own state or by the judgment of the universal consciousness if the former disclaims the consciousness of duty and maintains that what the latter pronounces to be baseness to be absolute discordance with universality is an action according to inner law and conscience then in this one-sided assurance of identity and concord there still remains its want of agreement with the other since this other universal consciousness certainly does not believe the assurance and does not acknowledge it in other words since one-sided insistence on one extreme destroys itself evil would indeed thereby confess to being evil but in so doing would at once cancel itself and cease to be hypocrisy and so would not qua hypocrisy be unmasked it confesses itself in fact to be evil by asserting that while opposing what is recognized as universal it is acting according to inner law and conscience for were this law and conscience not the law of its particularity and caprice it would not be something inward something private but what is universally accepted and acknowledged when therefore any one says he acts towards others from a law and conscience of his own he is saying in point of fact that he is abusing and wronging them but actual conscience is not this insistence on our knowledge and the will which are opposed to what is universal 
the universal is the element of its existence and its very language pronounces its action to be recognized duty just as little when a universal consciousness emphasizes and persists in its own judgment does this unmask and dissipate hypocrisy when that universal consciousness stigmatizes hypocrisy as bad base and so on it appeals in passing such a judgment to its own law just as the evil consciousness on its side does too for the former law makes its appearance in opposition to the latter and thereby is a particular law it has therefore no antecedent claim over the other law rather it legitimizes this other law hence the universal consciousness by thus emulating the other does precisely the opposite of what it means to do for it shows that its so-called true duty which ought to be universally acknowledged is something not acknowledged and recognized and consequently it grants the other an equal right of independently existing on its own account this judgment of universal consciousness however has at the same time another side to it from which it leads the way to the dissolution of the opposition in question consciousness of the universal does not proceed qua real and qua acting to deal with the evil consciousness for this latter rather is the real in opposing the latter it is a consciousness which is not entangled in the opposition of particular and universal involved in action it stays within the universality of thought takes up the attitude of an apprehending intelligence and its first act is merely that of judgment through this judgment it now places itself as was just observed alongside the first consciousness and the latter through this identity this likeness between them comes to see itself in this other consciousness for in the attitude of apprehension consciousness of duty is passive thereby it is in contradiction with itself as the absolute will of duty as the self that determines absolutely from itself it may well preserve itself in its purity for it does not act it is hypocrisy which wants to see the fact of judging taken for the actual deed and instead of proving its uprightness and honesty by acts does so by expressing fine sentiments it is thus constituted entirely in the same way as that against which the reproach is made of putting its phrases in place of duty in both cases alike the aspect of reality is distinct from the expressed statements in the one case owing to the selfish purpose of the action in the other through failure to act at all a result which is inevitable when there is mere talk about duty for duty without deeds is altogether meaningless the act of judging however has also to be looked at as a positive act of thought and has a positive content this aspect makes the contradiction present in the apprehending consciousness and this identity with the first consciousness still more complete the active consciousness declares its specific deed to be its duty and the consciousness that passes judgment cannot deny this for duty as such is form void of all content and capable of any in other words concrete action inherently implying diversity in its many-sidedness involves the universal aspect which is that which is taken as duty just as much as the particular which constitutes the share and interest the individual has in the act the consciousness expressing its judgment does not now stop at the former aspect of duty and rest content with the knowledge which the active agent has of this that is that this is its duty 
the condition and the status of its reality it holds on to the other aspect diverts the act into the inner realm and explains the act from selfish motives and from its inner intention an intention different from the act itself as every act is capable of treatment in respect of its dutifulness so too each can be considered from this other point of view of particularity for as an act it is the actuality of an individual this process of judging then takes the act out of the sphere of its objective existence and turns it back into that of the inner realm into the form of specific and individual particularity if the act carries glory with it then the inner aspect is judged as love of fame if it altogether fits in with the position and status of the individual without going beyond this position and is so constituted that the individuality in question does not have the position hanging on to it as an external appendage but through itself supplies the content to this universality and by that very process shows itself to be capable of a higher status then the inner nature of the act is judged as ambition and so on since in the act in general the individual who acts comes to see himself in objective form or gets the feeling of his own being in his objective existence and thus attains enjoyment the judgment on the act finds the inner nature of it to be an impulse towards personal and private happiness even though this happiness were to consist merely in inner moral vanity the enjoyment of a sense of personal excellence and in the foretaste and hope of a happiness to come no act can escape being judged in such a way for duty for duty's sake this bare purpose is something unreal what reality it has lies in the deed of some individuality and the action thereby has in it the aspect of particularity no hero is a hero to his valet not however because the hero is not a hero but because the valet is the valet with whom the hero has to do not as a hero but as a man who eats drinks and dresses who in short appears as a particular individual with certain personal wants and idiosyncrasies in the same way there is no act in which that process of judgment cannot oppose the particular aspect of the individuality to the universal aspect of the act and set the valet of morality against the hero who does the act the consciousness that so passes judgment is in consequence itself base and mean because it divides the act up and brings out and holds on to its innermost inconsistency and self-discordance it is furthermore hypocrisy because it gives out this way of judging not as another fashion of being wicked but as the correct consciousness of the act sets itself up in its unreality in this vanity of knowing well and better far above the deed it decries and wants to find its mere words without deeds taken for an admirable kind of reality on this account then putting itself on a level with the agent on whom it passes judgment it is recognized by the latter as the same as himself this latter does not merely find himself apprehended as something alien or external to and unlike or discordant with that other but rather finds the other in its peculiar constitutive character identical with himself seeing this similarity and giving this expression he openly declares himself to the other and expects in like manner that the other having in point of fact put itself on the same level will respond in the same terms on its side will give voice to the likeness found within it 
and that thus the state of mutual recognition will be brought about his confession is not an attitude of abasement or humiliation before the other is not flinging himself away for to give the matter expression in this way has not the one-sided character which would fix and establish his disparity with the other on the contrary it is solely because of seeing the likeness of the other to him that he gives himself utterance in making his confession he announces from his side their common likeness and does so for the reason that language is the existence of spirit as an immediate self he thus expects that the other will make its own contribution to this manner of existence but the admission on the part of the one who is wicked i am so is not followed by a reply making a similar confession this was not what that way of judging meant at all far from it it repels this community of nature and is the hard-heartedness which keeps to itself and rejects all continuity with the other by so doing the scene is changed the one who made the confession sees himself thrust off and takes the other to be in the wrong when he refuses to let his own inner nature go forth in the objective shape of an express utterance opposes and contrasts the beauty of his own soul with the wicked individual and opposes to the confession of the penitent the stiff-necked attitude of the self-consistent equable character and the rigid silence of one who keeps himself to himself and refuses to throw himself away for someone else here we find asserted the highest pitch of revolt to which a spirit certain of itself can reach for it beholds itself qua this bare self-knowledge in another conscious being and in such a way that the external form of this other is not an unessential thing as in the case of an object of wealth but thought knowledge itself is what is opposed to it it is this absolutely unbroken continuity of pure knowledge which refuses to establish communication with an other which had ipso facto by making its confession renounced separate isolated self-existence had affirmed its particularity to be cancelled and thereby established itself as continuous with the other that is established itself as universal the other however retains in its own case and reserves to itself its uncommunicative isolated independence in the case of the individual making the confession it retains just the very thing which that individual has already cast away it thereby proves itself to be a form of consciousness which has forsaken and denies the very nature of spirit for it does not understand that spirit in the absolute certainty of itself is master and lord over every deed and over all reality and can reject and cast them off and make them as if they had never been at the same time it does not see the contradiction it is committing in not allowing a rejection which has been made in express language to pass for genuine rejection while itself has the certainty of its own spiritual life not in a concrete real act but in its inner nature and finds the objective existence of this inner being in the mere utterance of its own judgment it is thus its own self which checks that others return from the act to the spiritual objectivity of spoken utterance and to spiritual identity and agreement and by its stiffness produces the discordance and dissimilarity which still remain now so far as the spirit which is certain of itself in the form of a beautiful soul 
does not possess the faculty of relinquishing the self-absorbed uncommunicative knowledge of itself it cannot attain to any identity with the consciousness that is repulsed and so cannot succeed in seeing the unity of itself in another life cannot reach objective existence the equality comes about therefore merely in a negative way as a state of being devoid of spiritual character the beautiful soul then has no concrete reality it subsists in the contradiction between its pure self and the necessity felt by this self to externalize itself and turn into something actual it exists in the immediacy of this rooted and fixed opposition an immediacy which alone is the middle term mediating and reconciling an opposition which has arisen to its pure abstraction and is pure being or empty nothingness thus the beautiful soul being conscious of this contradiction in its unreconciled immediacy is unhinged disordered and runs to madness passes away in yearning and is consumed in pining inanition thereby it gives up as a fact its stubborn insistence on its own isolated self-existence but only to bring forth the soulless spiritless unity of abstract being the true that is to say the self-conscious and actual balance or adjustment of the two sides is necessitated by and already contained in the foregoing breaking the hard heart and raising it to the level of universality is the same process which appeared in the case of the consciousness that expressly made its confession the wounds of that spirit heal and leave no scars behind the deed is not something imperishable the spirit takes it back into itself and the aspect of particularity present in it whether in the form of an intention or of an existential negativity and limitation immediately passes away the process of actually realizing self the form of its act is merely a moment of the whole and the same is true of the knowledge functioning through judgment and establishing and maintaining the distinction between the particular and universal aspects of action the evil consciousness spoken of definitely yields up and relinquishes itself or sets itself down as a moment being drawn into the way of express confession by seeing itself in another this other however must have its one-sided unaccepted and unacknowledged judgment broken down just as the former has to abandon its one-sided unacknowledged existence in the state of particularity and isolation and as the former displays the power of spirit over its reality so this other must manifest the power of spirit over its constitutive and determinate notion the latter however renounces thought that divides and separates and the rigid imperviousness of uncommunicative self-existence for the reason that in point of fact it sees itself in the first that which in this way abandons its reality and makes itself into a superseded particular this diesen, shows itself thereby to be in fact universal it turns away from its external reality back into itself as inner essence and there the universal consciousness thus knows and finds itself the forgiveness it extends to the first is the renunciation of self of its unreal being since it identifies this unreal nature and what other element of real action and recognizes what was called bad a determination assigned to action by thought to be good 
or rather it lets go and gives up this distinction of determinate thought with its self-determining isolated judgment just as the other foregoes determining the act in isolation and for its own private behoof the word of reconciliation is the objectively existent spirit which sees and immediately apprehends the pure knowledge of itself qua universal being in its opposite in the pure knowledge of itself qua absolutely self-confined single individual a reciprocal recognition which is absolute spirit absolute spirit enters existence merely at the culminating point at which its pure knowledge about itself is the opposition and interchange with itself knowing that its pure knowledge is the abstract essential reality absolute spirit is this knowing duty in absolute opposition to the knowledge which knows itself qua absolute singleness of self to be the essentially real the former is the pure continuity of the universal which knows the individuality that thinks itself the real to be inherently null and not to be evil the latter again is absolute discreteness which thinks itself absolute in its pure oneness and thinks the universal is the unreal which exists only for others both aspects are refined and clarified to this degree of purity where there is no selfless existence left no negative of consciousness in either of them where instead the one element of duty is the self-identical character of its self-knowledge and the other element of evil equally has its purpose in its own inner being and its reality in its own mode of utterance the content of this utterance is the substance that gives it subsistence the utterance is the assurance and asseveration of the certainty of spirit within its own self these spirits both certain of themselves have each no other purpose than its own pure self and no other reality and existence than just this pure self but they are still different and the difference is absolute because holding within this element of the pure notion the difference is absolute too not merely for us tracing the experience but for the notions themselves which stand in this opposition for while these notions are indeed determinate and specific relatively to one another they are at the same time in themselves universal so that they compass the whole range of the self and this self can have no other content than this its own determinate constitution which neither transcends the self nor is more restricted than it for the one aspect the absolutely universal is pure self-knowledge as well as the other the absolute discreteness of single individuality and both are merely this pure self-knowledge both determinate aspects then are cognitive pure notions which know qua notions whose very constitution consists in immediately knowing or in other words whose relationship and opposition is the ego because of this they are for one another these absolutely opposed elements it is what is completely inner that has in this way come into opposition to itself and entered objective existence they constitute pure knowledge which owing to this opposition takes the form of consciousness but as yet it is not self-consciousness it obtains this actualization in the course of the process through which this opposition passes for this opposition is really itself the indiscreet continuity and identity of ego equals ego and each by itself inherently cancels itself just through the contradiction 
in its pure universality which while implying continuity and identity at the same time still resists its identity with the other and separates itself from it through this relinquishment of separate selfhood the knowledge which in its existence is in a state of diremption returns into the unity of the self it is the concrete actual ego universal knowledge of self in its absolute opposite in the knowledge which is internal to and within the self and which because of the very purity of its separate subjective existence is itself completely universal the reconciling affirmation the yes with which both egos desist from their existence in opposition is the existence of the ego expanded into a duality an ego which remains therein one and identical with itself and possesses the certainty of itself in its complete relinquishment and its opposite it is god appearing in the midst of those who know themselves in the form of pure knowledge end of section seventeen